I'm sure you've heard of the Bermuda Triangle and even the 11 other major triangles just like it called vile vortices that are all parallel to each other. But there are some lesser known triangles just as vile as their superiors. And speaking of superior, the Triangle of Lake Michigan is said to have taken down more people than Bermuda's Triangle. That is, on record of course. This triangle spans from Manitowoc, Wisconsin to Ludenting, Michigan and south to Benton Harbor. This lake certainly has some very strange things going on. Just to name a few, one of the largest trading ships of the 17th century, Le Griffin, was searching for a northwest passage to China and Japan during this age of exploration. And everything was fine, that is, until they went into the Michigan Triangle. The ship and its crew completely vanished without a trace even until this day. In 1883, Mary McLand and crew went out on a wooden tugboat in Lake Michigan's Triangle and came back telling of a cloudless sky with huge blocks of ice falling from it, basically attacking the boat for 30 minutes straight. Luckily, they made it back alive in their heavily dented tugboat and even saved a block of ice just to show this was not some made up story. What's up my alley is how Lake Michigan is home to America's Stonehenge. Y'all know how I feel about these stone structures and their link to the Anunnaki and the land before time. So I can bet all this strange vortex stuff can be attributed to this structure, this sigil, back to a time when Lake Michigan was not a lake. And these sigil-like structures are often representative of maps of certain star systems and aligned with them. Not only that, but this Lake Michigan Stonehenge was predicted to be about 10,000 plus years old, which places it to existing around the time of the last ice age, when Noah's flood really took place, which was 10 to 12,000 years ago. In 1919, a lot of people actually saw strange bright lights in the skies above Michigan Triangle's parameters, with witnesses attesting to seeing two large balls of fire fall into Lake Michigan, causing an explosion so powerful that it made the earth tremble and shake. While the New York Times reported it as being a huge meteor, many claimed it was paranormal. And later, many locals actually reported UFO sightings occurring in the exact same area where the two large balls of fire landed in the lake which I definitely don't doubt because the airspace above this triangle isn't safe either the Northwest Orient Airlines flight 2501 had 55 passengers and three crew members who were flying from New York to Minneapolis in 1950 now apparently the aircraft started experiencing some extreme unexpected turbulence and the captain radar requested to descend from an altitude of 2500 from his already altitude of 3500 the request could not be granted and the flight never reached its destination and the only findings of it ever existing were a few body fragments and pieces of debris. Those are just a few of many incidents that occurred on record in Lake Michigan's Triangle. But one of the most interesting stories I've found is the disappearance of Stephen Kubaki in 1978. 23-year-old Stephen was a student at Hope College. It was a very small and private Christian university that neared the southeastern shores of Lake Michigan and his studies included German linguistics and history. Kubaki was noted as being a little more free-spirited than the average student at the conservative Hope 
school, which explained why he lived off campus. Noted as being a big Dungeons and Dragons guy by peers, Kubaki was known to be an outdoors enthusiast who'd already climbed mountains while studying abroad in Europe. Steve decided to embark on a solo skiing trip around the Lake Michigan area and planned to be gone only about a day or two. Nothing out of the usual as he'd already been cross-country skiing in the same area bordering Lake Michigan previously. Well, he was reported missing by his worried family a day after he was due to return from the trip. According to a local news report from February 2nd, 1978, snowmobilers in Sagatok spotted cross-country skis and poles abandoned and reported it to local authorities. The investigators knew right away who they were looking for because remember, Steve's parents had already called and reported him missing. While searching for him, the rescue crew flew over the area and it was reported that his footprints appeared to stop at the edge of the ice. The ice was unbroken though and a search of the area revealed no clue as to what had happened to Steven. Later that day they found his backpack in the same general area as his skis and poles and there was absolutely no way to explain how this backpack reappeared right in vicinity of his skis, a place where they'd of course looked already. Them being a crew of people who could not have all misseen his backpack near his skis. So no other evidence or sign of Steven could be found. It appeared he just vanished into thin air. The fact that Steven's one-way path of footprints ended abruptly led investigators to conclude, in absence of any other clues, that Kubaki drowned somewhere under a thick layer of unbroken ice. And the search was ended. Well, on May 5th, 1979, 15 months later, Stephen walked up to his father's door and he rang the bell and was surprised to discover that he had been missing. Stephen told his father that he didn't remember much. He also told his father that he had woken up in Pittsfield, 40 miles from his father's house, lying in a meadow wearing clothes that weren't his and had a backpack filled with maps and hitchhiking signs suggesting he had traveled widely to places like Sacramento, San Francisco, Reno, Chicago, Utah, and the likes. He also had 40 dollars in cash, new glasses, sneakers, and a t-shirt from a marathon in Wisconsin. Where he woke up was 700 miles from Lake Michigan. You can draw a near perfectly straight line between them on a map from where Stephen went missing and where he reappeared on this Saturday night. During an interview conducted during the week he reappeared, he told reporters, I feel like I've done a lot of running. His memory right up until his disappearance remained intact and he said the last thing he remembered was feeling cold and scared of being lost in the frozen darkness. Reporters asked him repeatedly if he would talk to a psychiatrist for therapy. He said he didn't need to because he didn't have any psychological problems and nothing to say about the time he was missing. However, Kubaki did tell a reporter that he believed his blackout was caused by exhaustion and exposure and said he would see a medical doctor for a physical but he would not be seeing a psychiatrist. Kubaki insisted that he was in a healthy frame of mind when he set off for his skiing trip even stating my father was going to sign over the house to me. I had three courses at school and no trouble. I left the romance in Germany. There was no trouble with girls. I had a job lined up with the Holland Sentinel newspaper when speaking of his life prior to going missing. Kubaki had been awarded a bachelor's degree in absentia from Hope College the year before when he had been feared but never declared dead. Apparently, 
Even the detectives who investigated his disappearance had doubts about the drowning theory. They had sent his dental records to Chicago to see if Kubaki might be amongst the victims of the serial killer John Wayne Gacy. Kubaki did tell reporters in 1979 that he was going to try and retrace his steps to attempt to piece together where he'd been. Nobody knows whether he did or didn't. And after 1983, Stephen got a master's in linguistics and a PhD in clinical psychology. He actually wrote a book called Meta Mathematical Foundations of Existence, Godel, Quantum, God, and Beyond, a book whose summary goes as follows. The goal of science is to discover and explore the boundless realities of existence. In the Metamathematical Foundations of Existence, the authors prove that existence is infinite in its universes and realities. Everything imaginable and unimaginable is possible. There is endless change and limitless possibility driven by inherent incompleteness and inconsistencies of all things, thoughts, theories, and universes. Existence is a dialectical dance between the infinite possibilities of existence and the finite constraints in any universe or thing, including reasoning and life itself. Even God exists though not in the way generally conceived. Through the book's proofs, the origin of the universe and basic ideas in quantum mechanics are also rendered more understandable. More importantly, the reader does not need to know any math as the proofs are presented at the end following an in-depth explanation of their meaning and applicability to comprehending the fundamentals of existence. Hmm. This thought process is definitely linked to whatever occurred during his disappearance. For decades, he has refused to speak about his disappearance with reporters. His parents, who reportedly spent thousands of dollars on a private investigator after he went missing because they refused to believe that their son had died, they have since passed away. Today, Kubaki remains alive and well in the Pacific Northwest, working as a psychologist. So, what do you guys think about Stephen Kabaki's disappearance and reappearance? Do you think it was a case of a body snatcher, an alien abduction, both, or something else? Let me know down below in the comments.